Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Welcome to another edition of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am Dr. Kamala D. I am the founder and teacher of Learning Bible Truth. Now, we have entered episode four of this possibly 36-week series, or more or less. In any event, it is very interesting. We have been exploring Jesus in the Old Testament, which is also known as the Hebrew Scriptures. So, episode four, we will talk a little bit more about Jacob and Joseph. And we will find Jesus in the lives of Jacob and Joseph. Now, last week, at the end of episode three, we talked about a dream that Jacob had while he was on his way to Laban, which is his mother's brother. So that's his uncle. He's, he was on his way to his uncle's house and he took a rest, laid his head on some stone as a pillow, and he had a dream. His dream was a stairway or staircase from the ground leading into heaven. And on that staircase, he saw angels ascending and descending into heaven. And then we talked about John chapter one, verses 50 and 51, when Jesus told Nathaniel, and I think this bear reading again, Jesus said, to Nathaniel, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, when we jump forward and we look at the dream that Jacob had when he laid his head on that rock, now, that rock is also a symbol of Jesus Christ. And he had a dream of a stairway leading into heaven. So, you know, that had to be a mighty tall stairway or staircase. And there were angels descending and ascending on that stairway. That stairway represented the Lord Jesus Christ. And my God, it blessed so many of you. Yes, I tell you, saints, that 
It is an honor and a privilege to teach the living word of God to you. I appreciate God choosing me and anointing me to be one of his teachers. I adore it. I wouldn't give up teaching the word of God for anything. Do you hear me? For anything. I like informing the uninformed. I like correcting people in these scriptures. Now, I know God has given me the revelation of scripture. Not just me. He's He's given the revelation of scripture to a lot of his teachers and pastors and evangelists and bishops. And as a matter of fact, one of my brothers in the body of Christ, his name is Fred Price Jr. Yes, Apostle Price Sr. son. He is an excellent teacher. He is the past pastor of Crenshaw Christian Center. He is uh, teaching a series on uh, race division and racism. The division he is talking about is in the body of Christ and talking about how it is hurting the body of Christ, that we have all of these different denominations teaching all these different things, because look, it's either one of two things. You were never called to teach, and you in the pulpit misunderstanding these scriptures because you don't have the revelation of them. God chose some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be prophets, some to be bishops. Not everybody is a teacher. And the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, brother James said the same thing. Not all of you should be teachers because you can cause people to stumble. And for those of you who want to follow his series, I think he's going to be ending it shortly. He's been on that series for maybe like 37 weeks. Um, you can find his uh, YouTube channel, uh, Ever Increasing Faith Ministries, and he teach every Sunday and every Tuesday morning and Tuesday evening Bible study. And I tell you, he is a blessing to listen to. I, I, I Look, I kid you not. So before we get started, we need to pray. Before we start this prayer, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. So far, 3,300 of you are following this series. And let me tell you, I don't take it lightly. Uh, I like rightly dividing the scriptures because if I don't, I'm in trouble with the Lord. And if I happen to stumble, I will immediately correct it. Or after I listen to it, once it's aired, I will come back on the next episode and make the correction because we are living in times where we cannot afford to mislead anyone, be it mistakes or especially on purpose. If you're doing it on purpose, you are a false teacher. And the lake of fire and brimstone was created for the devil and the false prophet. And if you hear thunder in the background, that's because it's thundering outside and my setup is right next to the window. So with that said, saints, let's say a quick little prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you first and foremost with praise. We thank you, God, for being our provider, Jehovah Jireh. We thank you, Lord, for being Jehovah Rapha, the God who healed thee. I thank you for my healing. Anyone who is listening to the sound of my voice, I thank you, Lord, that you send your word forth right now and heal them. In the name of Jesus. I ask that you open the mind of those who are listening and tuning in for the first time to understand your living word. Open their hearts, Heavenly Father, to receive the truth. And when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for learning Bible truth. I thank you that you have provided this platform for the people you have chosen to listen to your word go forth. Your word goes forth and it accomplishes that which you have set it out to accomplish. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, saints. We are going to continue, like I think I said it earlier, to talk about Jacob and finding Jesus in the life of Jacob. And then we will move to Joseph and finding Jesus in the life of Joseph. So with that said, uh, go to Genesis chapter 32. And yes, I am continuing to use the NIV, the New International Version. The reason why I tell you guys the version is because there may be a slight difference in the wording compared to your version. If you have the NIV, fine. If you have uh, the King James Version, the uh, New King James Version, or the ESV or what uh, any other version, it's okay. We will end up in the same place, okay? Genesis chapter 32, and I will be reading verses 24 to 32. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. Now the NIV say wrenched, but it, it simply means dislocated. As he wrestled with the man, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. Now Jacob had been wrestling with this man all night. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, him who Jacob, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he, the man replied, why do you ask my name? Then he, the man, blessed him there. He blessed Jacob there. So Jacob called the place Peniel. Now Peniel means, it's, well, it's P-E-N-I-E-L. It means the face of God. Saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. Now I will um, elaborate a little bit more on um, Jacob making this statement. When he said, and yet my life was spared, because in Deuteronomy, um, some things happen if you see the face of God, and uh, it didn't happen to Jacob there. Now, up to this point of his life, Jacob has been winning life's battles by his own deceit and his own cunning ways. You know, he was using his ways of the world, okay? He devises a successful, albeit wrongful strategy for taking his older brother's birthright. Excuse me. Then cheats Esau out of his blessing as the firstborn. He bests Laban. Now Laban is his uncle. And then runs off with his daughters and a large herd of sheep and goats. But now he is all alone. He meets a strange visitor with whom he wrestles until daybreak. He fought this man all night, long, all night long. Now, some scholars have seen these verses as a type of believer struggling with God in prayer. And you see, this is why it's important. If you ain't called to teach 
And everyone who claims that they are a scholar, let me tell you, they don't understand these scriptures because the scriptures were written for Christians and they are coded. And if you are not given revelation of these scriptures and trust me, what I'm saying is biblical, you won't understand it. And some of them don't. So I don't believe the scholars and the commentators that, that said these verses are a type of believer struggling with God in prayer. Uh-uh. It's something entirely different. It's to show us that God can't use us until we come to lose our confidence in our own flesh and find it in his strength. We have to find our strength in God's strength. Now in Matthew 10 verse 39, Jesus says this, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for, for my sake will find it. Again, in John chapter 15, verse five, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in, I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay. Now, Jacob has shown that his planning and scheming won't really get him anywhere. He is powerless without God. And only in that realization can true strength surface. Remember, saints, we are nothing without God. Now, the pre-incarnate Jesus often appears in, in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And there are many scholars who will disagree with that. But that's on them. I'm following the Holy Spirit. I know I'm chosen to teach. Now, that I know. I have the testimony of Jesus. These scriptures uh, look like a first grade book to me. And the scriptures that I don't have revelation of, I will not teach. I won't even give an opinion on them on them. That's how important it is for us to rightly divide these scriptures. And yes, I do believe the angel of the Lord, uh, was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, back in the, uh, the, uh, Hebrew scripture days. Okay. But here we see that it is a man who wrestled with Jacob. We know that the man is greater than Jacob in as much as he, he subdues Jacob. He cripples him and then he changes Jacob's name to Israel. Now, finally, the man blesses Jacob. Now, the greater always names the lesser and also gives the blessing. For instance, parents name their children. It's not vice versa. Next, we're told that Israel called the place Peniel, saying it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. Now, who else could this man be? But the God man, our Lord Jesus Christ, who else can he be? Well, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that it was Jesus wrestling with Jacob and the prophet Micah, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think it was Malachi It's Micah in chapter 12. He talks about this, this very incident that Jacob was wrestling, um, with an angel. This, that, that is what the prophet Micah said. He said, Jacob was wrestling with an angel. Now he didn't say it wasn't the Lord. What I'm saying is that, um, the Lord Jesus often appeared in the old Testament as the angel of the Lord. But Michael said it was an angel and, and either way it was uh, a divine being that Jacob was fighting with. And his name was changed to Israel because of that. Now, these things are further emphasized by the name Jacob is given, Israel. Now, many Hebrew names contain the suffix el, meaning God, like the name Emmanuel means God with us. 
Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Matthew 1, 23. Now, we might also think of Daniel, which means God judges. We can also note Jacob's blessing of Dan, of Dan in Genesis chapter 49, verse 16. Now, in like manner, Israel means God commands. Now, Jacob, in humbled by his failure to subdue the man, he will always be reminded of his weakness by his limp. And that was an eye opening for me also when I read that, when I had my stroke. Um, I had, and look, I'm being transparent. I had gotten to the point where I thought I was invincible and that was a wake up call that God allowed and God and I have been closer ever since. And I can tell you now that Jacob is reminded of his failures by that limp. When the Lord Jesus stuck his finger in Jacob's hip and dislocated it, it caused Jacob to limp. And by his name, God commands. That is what the name Israel means. God commands. Now, every man and woman who has ever been born on earth has one common characteristic. Each of us wants to be in control. <laughs> Those who are willing to admit it. We want to make up our own rules. Only by the grace of God do we come to the true commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus says in John 14, 15, he says this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Or your version may say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And Jesus says this again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. And let me read this to you. You can go to Matthew 5, verse 18 and 19. I will be reading. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now, let me stop right here before I read the next verse. Jesus is talking to the Jews. He's not talking to Gentiles because you have to remember the law was never given to Gentiles. The apostle Paul corrects that in Romans. Okay. He is talking directly to the Jews who was telling Jesus he was trying to change the laws and Jesus was saying he came to fulfill it. And he made the statement that not one hair of the law will change. Mm -mm. Uh -uh. Um, let me finish reading uh, verse 19. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus is our commander, saints, the one who is in command, not us. Jesus is in command. Now, Jacob, now renamed Israel, learned this hard lesson at Peniel. It is a lesson we all need to learn that Jesus's way is the right way and it is the best way for us to live. Now, let's talk a little bit about Joseph. Okay. Go to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37, and I will be reading verses 23 through 28. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented, which also means uh, many colors, the ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into a cistern. A cistern is a ditch that holds water or any type of liquid. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites. 
Does the name sound familiar? Ishmael Light? Ishmael is the illegitimate son of Abraham. The son that Abraham had with, with his wife Sarah's maidservant Hagar. Uh, Ishmael was not the child of promise. Okay. So uh, let me keep reading. They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Galilee, um, Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, palm and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianites merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, this chapter is the first of eight that we will be covering, okay? And also finding the Lord Jesus in the life of Joseph, okay? Now, Joseph, I didn't mention earlier, is Jacob's son. Now, not only is he Jacob's son, he, is, he was Jacob's favorite son. Now, being the firstborn of Rachel's children, after Reuben sleeps with Jacob's concubine, Bilhah, in Genesis 35 and 22, his father strips him of his rights as the firstborn and apparently gives those rights to Joseph. Now, Jacob bestows upon his favorite, uh, his favorite son a richly decorated robe, often described as a coat of many colors, and I mentioned that earlier. It's described as a coat of many colors in the King James uh, Bible. Now, the coat is more likely a manager's coat, which reveals Joseph's leadership in the family business. Now, it has long sleeves and, and, and reaches the ankles as opposed to the sleeveless tunics worn by his brothers, who are now mere underlings to their younger brother. They were super jealous of Joseph. Now, as if Joseph's coat and elevated position were not cause enough for jealousy among his older half-brothers in Genesis 37, it tells us about Joseph's odd dreams. Now, the brothers' sheaves, uh, a sheave is uh, a lot of rope tied together. It bowed down to his own. Then Joseph told them of a, a second dream where not only 11 stars bowed down to him, but the moon and sun as well, clearly indicating both his father and mother. Now, can you imagine how the older brothers must have hated Joseph's conceit? So when Joseph comes looking for his brothers who had gone many miles from home searching for pasture for their flocks, they plot to kill Joseph. The oldest, Reuben, talks them into throwing Joseph into a dry cistern. Now the brothers then sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt. And let me tell you, Joseph will, will be forever changed by this experience. Now Jesus too is sold out by his brothers. And I know a lot of you don't know this in scripture in the New Testament. Now, Jesus's earthly ministry is characterized in a major way by the opposition and jealousy of his older brothers. They were the established clergy of the day. Now we read in John chapter 11, verse 47 and 48, the basic reason for their hatred toward Jesus. Listen to this. This is John chapter 11, verse 47 and 48. What are we accomplishing? They ask. 
If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Now they are concerned about their position. You hear me? Their position in the Roman government. They thinking about it will be destroyed because of this young man who performs miracles in their midst. Now Jesus himself describes the situation in a parable that we found in, in Mark chapter 12. It says this in um, verse five and seven. This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and they threw him out of the vineyard. Now Jesus speaks of himself and the death he will suffer after being sold out by those he came to love and came to save. Hallelujah. My God, my God. Now Joseph and Jesus both loved their brothers. Joseph is a shepherd of, of sheep while Jesus came to shepherd souls. Both men oppose evil and are dearly beloved by their fathers. They are both sent forth on a mission by their fathers. They both foretell their own future, their glory, and their sovereignty. Now they are both the firstborn among their brothers. They both are conspired against by those they loved, they insulted, and forsaken him. Now, Jesus was the firstborn of Mary. Mary had about five or six more children after that. So uh, y'all can stop calling Mary the Virgin Mary here. She was a virgin when Jesus was born because his father was not earthly. His father was not Joseph. His father was God of, up above. God impregnated um, Mary by overshadowing her womb with the Holy Spirit. That's how Mary came to be with Jesus in her stomach. And I don't need to uh, go on and on about that. That's a whole nother episode. Now, Jesus and Joseph are each hated without a just cause. Okay. And sold by their brothers. But both come forth out of the pit. Joseph into a sojourn in Egypt and ultimate glory on earth. Jesus into eternal glory in heaven and on the earth. Now, go to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. I will be reading verse 11. Okay. Uh, Y'all can pause the tape. I'm going to keep moving forward for the sake of time. One day Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. Potiphar's wife caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph was hauling tail. His boss's wife approached him and tried to get him to go to bed with her. And Joseph hauled tail. He, he hauled tail so fast he left his coat. Now, having been sold into slavery in Egypt, Joseph, you know, I, I, I don't know if he went through the, your typical slave trade. You know, how like Jesus who is stripped naked and nailed to the cross while soldiers cast lots for his clothes. But the Bible doesn't speak of the slave auction, only that Joseph is sold to a man named Potiphar. That, that's what the Bible says, and we're not going to add to it or take away from it. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment being sold into slavery by your family, your own family. You are in a foreign country. You don't speak the language and have no friends there. Now, chances are you and I 
would adopt a victim's mentality, one so prevalent in the world today, we might become anything but a, a, a valuable servant. Now, none of that is true of Joseph. Yes, Jesus too comes out of the uh, ivory palaces into a world of woe. Now, the creator of the universe humbles himself to be a servant of the world he had made. I want y'all to keep that in mind here. He humbled himself, put on flesh in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, just to be a servant of the world that he created. Think about that. Now, he lives sinlessly in a sinful world, suffering every minute he is on the earth. Excuse me, saints. Let me um, take a drink of water because I got a lot of talking to do and I did a lot of talking today. Now, Jesus was sinless in a sinful world and he was suffering every minute he, he was on the earth. Now, living in the midst of a sinful people, yet he does not complain, neither does he sin. Okay, keep that in mind. Jesus never complained, neither does he commit sin. Now, the first Adam is placed in a garden with everything he could possibly want. Good food, uh, terrific, uh, beautiful surroundings. You know, he had solid work to do every day and he had a wonderful wife, but he isn't satisfied. He wants more. So he disobeys the only restriction God had placed on him. He eats of the forbidden fruit. Now, how different for Joseph and for our Lord Jesus, who in terrible circumstances and conditions, refuses to give in to his temptations. Now, Joseph faces it here in the person of Potiphar's wife. Jesus faced it in the desert without food or water or his family. Now, in a, a horrible environment, Jesus was able to, you know, refuse that temptation. Now, Jesus becomes our second Adam. Remember, fulfilling the test of righteousness that our first Adam failed to do. Now, Paul speaks of these two Adams in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Paul says, for as in Adam, all died. That's that first Adam. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Now, the first Adam is the reason we age. We aging because our, our physical bodies were born to die. Yeah, because of the first Adam, because God created Adam and Eve to live in the garden forever. They were never supposed to die until Adam sinned before God, and we all know the wages of sin is death. So Joseph, in passing his test, he prefigured our Lord as the second Adam. Uh-huh. Before Joseph is falsely accused, as is Jesus at his trial, he makes an amazing statement. He says to Potiphar's wife, who attempts to seduce him, listen to what um, Joseph said. This is Genesis 39, verse 9. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now, to be an enslaved man in a foreign country facing this kind of temptation must be terrible. Now, Potiphar's wife has authority over Joseph. So he, he could have easily rationalized his, his involvement with her. On the other hand, he is a young man between 25 and 27 years old with a normal sex drive. Who would have known if Joseph had slept with Potiphar's wife? But Joseph fears God. God would have known. God would have known he did it. That's who would have known. 
Now, yes, he would be sinning against his master Potiphar, but much more, it would be an infinite sin against a holy God because all sins are ultimately against God. And y'all need to understand that because God is infinite. All sins against him are infinite. In the same way, during his time of testing in the desert, Jesus invokes the name of God and his word three times in rejection to Satan's temptation. Jesus says at first, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then Jesus says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Finally, away from me, Satan, Jesus said, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's in Matthew chapter four, verses one through 10. If y'all want to read when Jesus was tempted by the devil. Now, falsely accused and like Jesus, unwilling to offer a defense, Joseph goes to prison. Now, I truly, truly believe that if Potiphar thought that Joseph was really guilty, he would have had Joseph executed. Rather, he, he puts Joseph in prison and then, you know, therefore just saving Joseph's life. Now, our Lord's trial also features a judge, Pontius Pilate. Y'all know that famous judge, Pontius Pilate. Like, like Potiphar, Pilate wants to keep up appearances with the people. He wants to keep impressing the people. And he said in Luke 23, verse four, I find no basis for a charge against this man. He then sends Jesus to the cross to be crucified. I will never understand that. Now in Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, and then I'm going to skip to uh, chapter 40, verse two and three. So you can go to Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, or you can just go to 40 and just wait for me to get to two and three, because I'm going to read 21st in verse th in chapter 39 and then jump to uh, chapter 40. OK, now, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Now let's go to chapter 40 and I'm going to read verses two and three. And remember, I'm still in the NIV. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And they put, and let me see, hold up. Uh, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Now, Joseph is cast into prison, and while he is there, he, like Jesus, suffered severely, though he was innocent. Joseph foreshadows the suffering of Christ. Now, while in prison, Joseph, as he had in Potiphar's household, wins the admiration of his jailer, because Potiphar was crazy about Joseph. So, he wins the admiration of his jailer. And uh, who gave him greater and, and, and more and more responsibilities. So too does Jesus win the respect of those who put him on the cross. Now, as in the gospel of Luke, uh, actually Luke chapter 23, verse 46, it says this. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Now the centurion, seeing what had happened, he praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. Mm -hmm. 
Now, our Lord is crucified between two criminals. I want you all to pay close attention to this section here. This is very important. He, Jesus, was crucified in between two criminals, one on his left and one on his right. Now, many years before Isaiah in chapter 53, verse 12, he foretells that, cir that circumstance, the very circumstance that Jesus was in on the cross in between two, two transgressors is what Isaiah says. But let me read this. Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, Isaiah in the Old Testament, Hebrew scriptures prophesied this about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Joseph is also thrown in between two men who had been accused of crimes. Now the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. In Genesis 40 verse 4, the cupbearer and the baker had dreams on the same night and when, and they went to Joseph for their interpretation. They knew that Joseph could interpret dreams. Now in the interpretation of both dreams, it is worthwhile for us to note that Joseph said that each dream was to reach its fulfillment in three days. Okay, that's in verse 12 and verse 16 of chapter 40. Now the cupbearer is to receive his freedom in three days. The baker is to be hanged within the same time frame. Now this is not a coincidence that Jesus said to his disciples, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. That's in Mark chapter 9 verse, verse 31. It is also no coincidence that one of the prisoners in Joseph's care is restored to his duties while the other is hanged. He was put to death. Now this conversation on Calvary is recorded in Luke chapter 23, excuse me, <clears throat> verses 39 and 42. Listen to this. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, him who Jesus Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want you to pay close attention to this because this has so much revelation in it. Our Lord and Savior answers this man. The one that says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he had said Jesus was being unjustly crucified. Okay. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus was going to paradise. Because you got to remember he went to hell first. What he was telling that man is you're saved today. Oh, yes, you will have eternal life today. That is what Jesus was saying. So one of these men, like the baker, meets his destiny in torment, the one that was hanged. The, now, while the other, like the cupbearer, he received a pardon. Now, the transgressor on the cross next to Jesus also says, remember me. Now, he is known in the church history as Saint Diticus. Did y'all know that? 
the one who was on the cross that Jesus saved on the cross because he knew who Jesus was. He was the Christ, the son of the living God. He was Saint Diticus who was being crucified. Now, <laughs> but he admitted he was guilty. He hadn't confessed he was guilty. Okay. Now his example is proof of several facts regarding our salvation. First, he is saved at the end of his life. Okay. Meaning don't you ever stop praying for an unsaved family member. And as long as you have breath in you, you can confess Christ and be saved. Second, Diticus is saved without being baptized. So this dispels that age old argument that you have to confess Christ and be baptized. No, you do not. No, you do not. Baptism, and I have said this a thousand times, and those of you who follow me on a regular basis know this, is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when you come up, this is, a, a, this is symbolic to you being a new man, and you are following Christ in water baptism, but you are not saved by water baptism. And I'm going to take it a step further. You can confess Christ today and live for 30 years without being baptized, then die, and you are still going to heaven because water baptism does not save you and salvation is not two-part. Okay? God's salvation plan, let me tell you about the false teachers in these denominations that are adding to God's salvation plan. I, you know what? I don't even want to talk about right now what's going to happen to those people. You can't tamper with God's salvation plan. You can't do it. Now, like I said, Diticus is saved without being baptized. Now, we are commanded to be baptized. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But don't you think you are saved because of it? But the only solution and the only absolute requirement for our salvation is in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And in John chapter 3, verse 7, where Jesus says you must be born again. Now in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It says nothing about water baptism. John was baptizing people in the name of the, um, the Lord Jesus, but that was a baptism of repentance. Not of your sins, because it's impossible for you to name all of your sins. The, because the word repent or repentance means to change your mind. He was telling people, you need to change your mind, stop following idol gods, and believe on the true and living God. That is what they were repenting of. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That is what they were doing. Okay? Now, I want you to remember this. Diticus was born from above, and that led to his statement of faith. Now, both regeneration and faith are God's gift. And see, you don't pay for a gift. It's free. It's not something we can conjure up on our own. And finally, we know from Jesus's testimony that today you will be with me in paradise. So there is no such thing as soul sleep. Now, for those of you who are Jehovah's Witnesses and are listening to me today, trust me, you are here to learn the truth. There is no such thing as soul sleeping in the Bible. When we die, in faith, we are, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be away from the body, or your version may say to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. There is no such thing as soul sleeping. Okay? Now, I want you guys to go to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. 
Um, okay, let's read. Uh, beginning at verse 14. I think I'm going to read 14 through 16. So, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he deserves. Hmm. Hmm. Now, there is a scripture in the book of Proverbs that says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. That's in Proverbs chapter 21 Verse one, Solomon made that statement. You know, Solomon wrote Proverbs, supposed to be the wisest man to ever live. He is, he was King David's uh, son. Solomon was mixed. His uh, mother was Bathsheba, who was a Hittite. Hittite Hittites are black people. And um, Solomon was considered the most wisest man to ever live. So now it is no coincidence that Pharaoh dreams about the fat and skinny cows and the fat and thin shocks of grain. God is behind those dreams to fulfill his purposes on earth. Now this should come as no surprise to us. After all, Joseph has had similar dreams and he correctly interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. Now great literature always foreshadows events that will occur later on in the Old Testament. Now the Bible is by far, and I mean by far, let me say Holy Bible, is by far the greatest literature that has ever been written. And it was not written by man. Man is nowhere near that smart. Man is not that smart to write this. He had to be led by the divine and, and holy God, the most high God, the God created the heavens and the earth because man is not this smart. Now, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is about the foolishness of the world versus the wisdom of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and 31, you all can, can read that. I'm not going to read it, but Paul gives this analysis about the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world. Now, Egypt is a picture of the world. Now, the Egyptians were pagan worshipers. They were idolaters, okay? These were people who were worshiping idol gods. Now, but God always brings forth a man who fears him. It doesn't matter who he is in the midst of and who glorifies his wisdom and God's name. Now, God is working all these things out to the ends that he has ordained. Now, Joseph was sold into slavery, then framed for um, trying to force his boss's Potiphar's wife to go to bed with him. That was a lie. And Joseph was tossed in the prison. Then like Jesus, who would one day be resurrected physically from the grave, Joseph arises from prison and stands before Pharaoh to interpret his dreams. Now he will then reveal secrets that God had hidden from the pagan mind. Okay, now Jesus is the greatest revealer of secrets to have ever walked the face of this earth. And we all should know that by now. Now, indeed, Jesus came to reveal himself to a lost and dying world. Now, when he reveals himself, he reveals the father too. 
Our Lord says in John chapter 14, verse nine. And if you don't have this written down on paper, you should write it in your heart. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Now you can't twist this version too much. Most of all the virgins say the same thing. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Now he reveals the secrets of the old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. Now on the road to Emmaus following his resurrection, Jesus strikes up a conversation with Cleopas and others during which he says this in Luke chapter 24 verses 25 through 27. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer th these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What scriptures? The Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. Because the New Testament hadn't been written. It was written hundreds of years after Jesus died. And rose again. And, and ascended on heaven. Now as Joseph, um, as Joseph reveals future events to Pharaoh. Jesus is to reveal future events to us. During his earthly ministry. Back in, in Matthew uh, chapter 24. Jesus gives his disciples a glimpse into those things that must come to pass. And just as Joseph warned Pharaoh, Jesus warns his disciples of horrible days ahead. That chapter begins with these words. We're talking about Matthew chapter 24 verses 1 and 2. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Now what Jesus prophesied to his disciples, it literally happened in AD 70. When the Roman legions under Titus, they ripped the city apart and destroyed the temple to such a degree that not one stone was left on top of another. Now today, only a portion of its foundation remains, now known as the Wailing Wall. Now, most importantly, Jesus reveals himself to be the savior of the world and continues to reveal himself through his spirit day after day after day. People like you and me are added to his kingdom as they hear the gospel. Now, now, as we are studying Jesus's revelation of himself, it didn't start with his birth in Bethlehem, but it began early in the book of Genesis and it continues throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And we will continue this lesson during episode five. I hope you enjoyed this episode, saints. So saints, everyone under the sound of my voice, I hope you were blessed by this message. And if you haven't accepted Christ as being Lord and Savior, if you don't hold to the testimony of Jesus, which is, he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You can go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10 and be saved. And if you are ready right now, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, meaning he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that's what makes him Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning that you believe in your heart that he is alive and he is seated at the right hand of God. 
you shall be saved. Now, I advise you to join a faith-based teaching church so that you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's grace and so that you can follow Jesus in water baptism. Not for salvation because you have just been saved if you made that confession. You can go the rest of your life without being baptized and you are still saved. But if you want to at least follow Christ in water baptism and establish some order, you know, the order of the church, it is a tradition and it is a good tradition to follow. You can be baptized in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy ghost, you know, representing newness of life. Look, I advise you to do that. So until next time, saints, I want you to peace out. you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time. <laughs>